discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable. I'm Neil Holin, joined by Joshua and Lee Yi. Coming up on the second half of the show, we discuss the so-called textual people-pleasing syndrome. Are you super polite when talking to people online? You might just have that. And there's also Roundtable's happy place. Now, have you ever noticed how people sometimes transform into the epitome of politeness when they are interacting online? From overly courteous comments to abundance of overly cute emojis, the internet seems to have its own etiquette code. But what's behind this digital decorum? Is it genuine kindness, or is there more than meets the eye? I have to ask first. To Josh, maybe. Do you have this subform of people pleasing syndrome yourself? Can you share some of your symptoms? I think that I do. I, I think that I really suffer from this, and it's actually quite stressful for me, to be honest. I think that one thing is that it's just a linguistic issue, being that my native tongue is English and also British English. I think that a lot of these things are even more nuanced than just the language. I、You're、think that born even when I speak, yeah. Well, you, you know, you say that, but in fact, actually, I find that British English, when we write, is very direct, and we often are quite、um, concise in in the way that we write. And I think that you can also see this in literature as well. I mean, if you look at a lot of famous British writers and、um, you look at the language that's used, especially from the twentieth century, it is quite concise and direct. I don't know if that's where it stems from, but either way. When I'm in China, even if I'm speaking in English, or if I'm typing in Chinese, or translating, or whatever, I do find that I have to be quite careful in my tone, and I'm constantly worrying about it. I know that this is in part because it's not my native language, but also I think that in China, writing through messages and also emojis and stickers. This is a whole language in itself, which I think many people have a fluency in, have have varying degrees of fluency in, and I find that sometimes that the way that these stickers and emojis are used, it sort of transcends language. It's almost like sometimes they're used in a way that's just so perfect, and I look at it and I'm like, wow, I wish I had the confidence to. Put that sticker in that group when I ha- when my boss, for example, <laughs> is in the group or something like this. I'm like, that's such a power move, you know. I think sometimes I apologize too much or I I use too much jargon and. I, yeah, I really, I really worry about this. I、yeah. really do. It's actually quite interesting to know your、uh, feeling about using a second language because I think when I'm speaking or texting in English, I'll just try to be polite. But when I'm using my first tongue, I am actually trying to be lovely and cute.、Mm. And, you are lovely, actually. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Childish in a way. It's kind of like showing that you're not only polite and nice, but also So innocent and definitely harmless. It's another kind of mentality, I guess. But I want to ask Li Yi first. Do you have that problem? Do you use the wavy mark quite so much? The wavy line. Do you sometimes repeat the character twice just to be cute instead of saying sure? You say sure, sure. <laughs> That's the English equivalent, by the way. Not really, to be honest, because for most cases, I don't really consider myself as a person who speaks in a really lovely way, either in the real world or on online platforms. 
So that's why I use a lot of emojis and stickers. Your During, emojis are cute and lovely. Yeah, a lot you. of catties and you see because uh, and baby they, faces sometimes, <laughs> and also monkeys. Yeah, because they can really help to. Convey your messages and meantime to soften your tone. Yeah, that's vital. And I think that's the thing of social media. I mean, that's the thing of virtual messaging tools because you can't really see the facial expressions and also the way. I mean, the smile on your face、uh, while you're typing this word, and especially, I think it also depends on who are you speaking to, right? For example, if you are speaking to really close friends, so that you are getting too familiar with each other, and you don't really overthink about his or her reaction about your wording, then I think you can just freely type the word you want to say without any say decoration. Uh, either emoji or stickers, but more commonly in workplace, people are being super careful about the way they speak, either to colleagues, to superiors, to their boss, or to say team members, because they want to show their friendliness, to show they are polite, to show they are sincerely. Respecting, and they want to show they're being really too kind to each other. So that's why we have this say overthought when we are typing on online platforms. That is a really good point. And actually, I do feel that when talking to different people, I am almost subconsciously creating this different persona. So if I'm talking to, for example, a client or an interviewee for the very first time, I'm not going to use that cat emoji to、mm. say "meow." This is perfect. <laughs> I'm not. Doing that,、yeah. I will definitely just say, sure, sure. I'll I'll do that. I'm very glad to know you. When I'm not going to say normal emoji, but the relatively、uh, light-hearted kind of emojis, instead of the very extravagant, very strongly emotionally strong kind of emojis. But when I'm talking to, like you said, colleagues or superiors, sometimes instead of me saying okay, you will see a little rabbit、um, putting up this okay sign, and it is considered that you're showing. You're in a nice, lovely, and cute mood, but this is interesting because sometimes, for example, if you are filing a complaint informally, if you are accepting a job that you don't genuinely think is a good idea, but you're accepting it anyway, these kind of tones, these kind of emojis, would definitely compromise the actual meaning or the actual emotion you're trying to send. Do you see that as a real problem? Well, I think、uh, it really depends on the scenarios you're using this tactic. Because what you've been mentioned, actually, I think they are the fair use of the linguistic tool to either create your persona or to achieve the goal you want to achieve. Say you want to be professional and present your professional in front of your clients, in front of the partners you're working with. But then I think yes, if we over edit or alter the words or say phrases we are sending on online platforms, it really does somehow change the true meaning and even to make people miss understand the the message you are trying to convey. Well, I think for sure actions speak louder than words, but this is all. Communication. This is all linguistic and all very specific to those different cultural nuances. I really do think so. I think that over communication in some cultures may be just the perfect amount in others. You know, there's it's one thing to use the language, quote unquote, correctly, grammatically, with punctuation, with the right spelling,、um, with appropriate a、uh, choice of words and things like this. But then when you talk about the length 
of the message, right? When to use these words. That's another level of fluency that goes beyond just saying the words correctly, right? And I think that there's levels to fluency even in one's own language. I think even in my own country, there are people, most people there will speak fluent English, but there may be people who are more fluent in, for example, business English or more fluent in um, English in this realm and this realm. And I, I don't know the answer to this question. I think, yes, sometimes being over polite can be negative. And I think that sometimes it can show weakness. I think that often when we are over polite, what it means is that we're showing respect to somebody that we consider to be um, more superior to us. Because, you know, just think about it. Would you expect that kind of politeness from that person, right? I mean, usually when the relationship is mutual, whether it's at work or whether it's with friendships, you notice that you're both usually using the same sort of language, right? Um, and the, the amount of effort you're both putting in, like in your relationship, uh, is, is equal. So I guess that it ultimately comes down to the relationship. And it really depends on which language we're talking about here, you know? Uh, British English, American English, Chinese, I, I don't know, in different parts of China, I know that China has so many different dialects and things like this, and it's so massive. Like, do people type also in different ways, depending on where you are in China? Well, definitely, I would think so. Many people would even type out their local dialect, the sound of it, because some dialect has certain words that does not really exist in writing, and they would just use the sound to mimic that word. People would be able to understand. But I think on top of that, a lot of people are still trying to be extra extra polite or extra harmless when talking to each other. And that level of trying or that level of mastering or using, like Josh has just said, almost another kind of language online would also affect the evolution of that language itself. What I'm trying to say here is that, for example, previously, if you think 10 years ago, if you sent a really funny post to your friend, and if your friend reply LOL in English or ha 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 in Chinese, you would find it okay. But for young kids nowadays, they would deem ha 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 the three ha, three LOL being you're just being polite. The six ha, ha 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 being, well, yeah. you kind of like it yeah. and you respect me. But if you're giving them two lines of ha's, they would say, ah, oh, you really think this is funny. I am very satisfied that you really like it. This is almost, in my opinion, LOL inflation. Mm. And this is making genuine, sending out your real emotions extra hard because the using of the emojis, the using of these exclamation marks, of these so many words together is being watered down in a way. And also the thing is that you see when people have this kind of expectations, uh, say six ha 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 or <laughs> six LOLs, is that they really want to pretty positive feedback coming mm. from the other side. That's why I think over politeness could really be a hinder in terms of the scenarios that you want to create closer relations with the other person. Because I think in real relationship, you really want this dynamic of both positive, neutral, and negative feelings or emotions to really going between uh, the two people. But then if you only expect other people can only provide positive feedback, that means you're denying his or her rights to convey his or her true feelings or true emotions, his or her true feedback. I mean, meantime, that also sent this message that my feeling is more important than yours, because at this point, I really want positive feedback. And even though you are not really 
thinking this post or this sticker that funny. You have to really be proactive and be responsive to somehow work with me to complete this、uh, little mini conversation. Almost like to show that our friendship means that much. Yes. Or that many hearts. Yes. Another interesting phenomenon I realized, especially in at least the Chinese-speaking world, is that、uh, different generations would have different understandings towards expressions, really common and simple expressions, as well as emojis, differently. For example, for my parents, if you give them the very normal and just polite smile,、mm. smile, they would consider that you are being polite instead of sarcastic. But definitely, if you do that to our people in our generation, they would have. Ask you, you know, what's wrong? What's、mm. wrong with my response? Something、yeah. like that. So there is this、uh, generational difference in communicating online. What are some other examples that you've noticed? Well, I think one typical example is that my parents and also elder generations they love to use voice messages Ooh,、yes. in WeChat instead of texting. Say every day, I would just receive. I would say dozens of pieces of voice messages, with each of them being one minute long from my mother. <laughs>、um, and each time,、uh, or most cases, I would just、uh, you know transform them into words, especially when I'm too busy because I'm not really that fond of voice messages at all. But I think、uh, elder generations they obviously prefer this say face to face expression or conversation, so that you can really hear. The other person, you can really、uh, speak、uh, your voice loud, and、uh, they are not really getting used to using stickers, of course, and emojis, as you mentioned.、Uh, but I think that's just a linguistic phenomenon because I think each generation has their own、uh, habits of using these linguistic tools in terms of conveying their messages. What's the situation in the English-speaking world? I think the situation is similar. For sure. I mean, there's probably a lot of differences, obviously, in language and things like this. But I think that we're talking about language ultimately, and、uh, language, even when it's spoken, I think there's vast differences between generations. But especially when we come to something like technology, which is, as we all know, the technological revolution has boomed so fast, right? And so we see massive, massive differences between generations in the way they interact with social media online. And we know that even a lot of older generations they struggle a lot to use social media or even instant messaging or even type on smartphones generally, right? So there's massive differences in the UK. I think that it's quite difficult to pinpoint some of these differences because, for example, a lot of older generations just don't often text or use instant messaging. They'll still often rely on their phones. We still have landlines. I'm not sure. If that's really a thing in China, you know, where you have a house phone and you have a telephone number that people can call. When I call my grandmother, I'll call her house phone, so she'll have a telephone linked up to the telegraph pole. I think these days, in most big cities in China, this is mainly just used for the Wi-Fi connection, right,、um, and things like this. So, so my my point being is that if she ever were to type or anything like that, it would be extremely formal, extremely direct, because that's really the only way she knows how to write. And I think it's the same for older generations. The generation before me, I guess Gen Gen X, is that? I always get a bit confused about this, but those guys,、uh, I think it's somewhere in the middle. Something that I have noticed is that with my parents and my parents' friends, they've sort of in the last five to ten years to develop their own style of messaging. 
which is usually just filled with, especially my mother and her friends, just filled with X's at the end of most messages, which in <laughs> English is like a kiss, right? Yes, kiss and hugs. Not a romantic thing. It's just like sending love and it'll be the most mundane, no offense, mum, but like, you know, the most <laughs> mundane thing followed by kisses and things like this. And that seems to be quite common as well, which is something I don't do. But then I find myself doing the same, you know, when I send messages back to them to meet That's their lovely. standards. So, you know, I have suffered from this syndrome. So I will often, I'm like a chameleon. I will change the way I type in order to adapt to my specific situation and the mm. person I'm speaking to. Yes, it appears that more people, much, much more people are experiencing the textual people-pleasing symptoms compared to real people-pleasing personalities in real life. And why is that? How come this phenomenon is happening to a lot of people quite commonly, do you think? Well, I think it might just depend on different people's personalities, of course. If you are a naturally people-pleasing personality, of course, you would just uh, continue this behavior on Uh, online texting. And according to a survey investigating the reasons behind this syndrome, actually nearly 27% of respondents think they are simply expressing respect for specific chat partners and nearly 18% indicating that long-term workplace stress has already shaping their communication habits. So that's why they're behaving <laughs> like this, especially in workplace. And there are also other reasons like it's just a traits of people-pleasing personality, as I mentioned. And also some people are saying that because they are surrounded by people who are having this textural people-pleasing syndrome. Ooh, so that's why sure. they're being affected. Yes. Um, but all in all, I think different people have different understanding of one same word or one same sentence, right? And especially we have different types of personalities. We talk about E people and I people, extroverted and introverted people. But all in all, I think we really want to show our politeness and friendliness, especially in workplace or Uh, with strangers, where in most cases, I would say, you really want to keep your persona as a positive persona. You don't really want to cry all the way and to being pretty negative. So that's why most people somehow have this kind of people-pleasing trait to show politeness simply. Mm, so last question, do you think we should do something about it? If someone, after hearing and listening to all we have discussed for this topic and decided, hmm, I am suffering from it. Do they have to change? I think that's a difficult question to answer because it really depends on your industry and what you're doing. I think that internally, I would say at work, I think that work culture certainly needs to change. I think that it needs to be more standardized and the way people communicate at work, the amount of messages that are allowed to be sent to you, the time at which emails and messages are allowed to be sent to you or your boss is allowed to contact you. I think that should be more standardized and should be stricter because I think a lot of the time communication, I, I find, especially working in this country, the message is lost among often amongst a lot of other unnecessary contact. I think that Chinese work culture can probably do somewhat to develop. And so, yes, I think some things do need to change, but then it depends on your industry. If you work, for example, in sales, if you're negotiating, if negotiating is part of your job. And let's face it, I think a lot of us at some point or other have a degree of negotiation that we have to use our people skills, whether we're talking about work scheduling or not just, you know, sometimes money, all of these things. We have to 
form relationships. We have to, in journalism, for example, you have to make connections with people in order to, to get information, right? There's a lot of exceptions to this that mean that sometimes you just have to get it done. And so it really depends, you know? But I think in the workplace, generally, when it comes to things like management and setting tasks and things like this, I think that, yeah, we need to have a big, big think about how better to do, to use language and make it more concise anyway. But this is me as a British person speaking from my point of view. Um, I'm just talking about what would make me more comfortable. So I'm sure that uh, <laughs> okay. most I, people listening would it. disagree with me and think that I'm being too idealistic. Yeah. No, I think um, I totally agree with you. It depends, but I feel like it depends on how serious it affects you negatively mm -hmm. if you find yourself looking at a sentence you've just typed and correcting it again and again and adding too many wavy lines after it and putting in too many emojis and delete deleting them and choosing other ones if you're spending too much time on it or if you feel that after sending out that sentence you think too much about how would people react to it then it might be time for you to take a pause and take a look at how it's affecting you mentally and maybe to make changes and to try to be someone who love yourself a little more than you love others but if it's just something that you can do easy peasy then you can continue doing it to light up the room with your words to smile to others with your emojis and to make the world a better place and that is great perky and harmless just like the emojis you're listening to roundtable coming up roundtable's happy place delivery 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 what is it? Happiness from Roundtable. It's the hour of Roundtable with myself, Neil Honglin, Josh Cotterell, and Lee Yi. And it's time for Roundtable's Happy Place. So, Lee Yi, what is your happy place? Well, I just want to recommend a travel reality show called Divas Hit the Road, which is also Hua Er Yu Xiao Nian in Chinese. And the fifth season of this show is particularly exciting, I would say. <laughs> um, well, definitely, it usually features popular female and male celebrities traveling to of various destinations and for this season they have traveled to Saudi Arabia, Croatia and Iceland and I want to recommend this season because I think it's so funny and uplifting particularly considering most previous seasons are pretty trying to manufacturing drama and conflicts to make sure it's attractive. But this season, I think all the cast members really having good vibes and are entertaining. So that's a very important function of entertainment show, in my opinion. And the second one is that this season, they are centered around the study tour theme. So they just have their travel and education as these celebrities immerse themselves in local cultures along the Belt and Road Initiative, actually. Uh, for example, they visited a, a bridge built by the China Road and Bridge Corporation, and that's part of the collaboration between China and Croatia. And you see how this bridge actually connects the northern and southern parts of Croatia and also has become a symbol of friendship of people from these two countries. And that's quite a, a hard touching, I would say. And the third one is that 
we talk about tourism, right? And do you think that travel is somehow very complicated scenario that in most cases you are excited and meantime, and also exhausted?、Mm-hmm. So that's why usually a lot of conflicts and quarrels would happen during trips. But this season, I think they have demonstrated how. Different personalities gather together, and how to、uh, solve these conflicts, and how to really solve this problem, and try to achieve mutual understanding through communication. And I think that really offers a very good. Uh, lesson for someone like me who is like super introvert and yet really want to have good communication with other people. So that's why I recommend everyone to watch this season of、uh, Divas Hit the Road. Sounds like happy place. Very interesting reality show, and I've seen clips、mm. of it, and some of them. Have demonstrated relatively relaxed personality, and they didn't try that hard to perform great in front of camera,、yeah. which makes the reality show a little more to reality than a performance. Which is also why I agree with Li Yi here that it could be a good show to bring happiness to your life. So, how about you, Josh? Yeah, that show sounds really cool as well. It makes me. When I watch these shows, though, it makes me want to travel a lot. Sometimes I get a bit、mm. jealous when I watch them.、Me、I must、too. admit,、um, but yeah, but it sounds great. I'm going to check it out.、Uh, well, for me, my happy place.、Um, recently, I've rediscovered a band that you may have heard of called the Beatles. It's supposed to be、uh, a joke because, of course, they're so famous. But they're, they're one of the greatest, I think, and most influential bands in the world. And recently, I was. Given an opportunity to discuss the Beatles、uh, with some people at an event, and yeah, and I'd always appreciated them, but to be honest, I'd never really delved into them so deeply. I think、um, it was just never really something that inspired me so so much. There was a lot of songs that did inspire me, but I'd always left some of it alone. But before this, I wanted to make sure that I was familiar, and I just started to listen to more and more of them, and very. Uh, pretty recently, Peter Jackson actually directed a movie about them, where they took loads of archive footage and audio. And my goodness, I, I've just found so much joy in listening to these Beatles albums, especially an album called Revolver, which is one of their more experimental albums. And you know, all the way through the '60s, basically, they were just pretty relentless in releasing music, and just the innovation and creativity and the effect that these. For young guys from Liverpool, had on the whole world on pop music in general, is just huge. I think that pop music everywhere in every country has been influenced by the Beatles in some way,、um, and I've just really, really enjoyed it. So I, I do encourage anybody just to go and listen to some of their records, especially the album Revolver. I would say,、um, and you just, if you're interested in history, if you're interested in melody or music in general. Just go and have a listen to it and read a bit about their backstory, and it's just incredible. The story of them really is incredible, and I think that these days sometimes it's easy to take for granted a little bit what you know a small band like that has done because now they're so famous and things like this. Although two of them are sadly passed away, but、um, yeah, just going back and relooking it, at it, it certainly humbled me as somebody who、um, sometimes calls themselves a musician, and I, I really, really loved it. So I'm still. In the middle of re-listening to all of that right now, 
I would definitely go check it out. And、uh, I think that's all the time we have as we gently close the doors of our happy place today. I hope you're leaving with a heart a little lighter and a spirit a bit brighter. Carry this positivity with you, and don't forget to pass it on—a smile, a kind word, or a helping hand. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thanks, Li Yi and Josh. Until next time, keep the conversations going and the ideas flowing. I'm Niu Honglin. Bye.